Hi, and welcome back to I Love You. I know. I'm Amanda. And I'm Kevin. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and Star Wars, but it's mostly about Star Wars. Kevin, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's uh, it's Saturday evening, and we're still in quarantine, and you know, it's feeling like that. So at least you can tell the difference between Wednesday and Saturday this time, though. This time, yes. Yeah, so yeah. we're making progress. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. So the the good news is we know what day of the week it is. The bad news is we're just not quite ready to dive into Rebels. Rebels is, I, I think we've touched on just slightly, it's kind of a sad series because, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice leading up to the beginning of, um, you know, where Rogue One and then A New Hope and the original trilogy pick up. So too many feels for right now. So we're we're going to try to have some fun and... um. In looking at some of our notes that we prepped for this podcast, we might not have quite enough fun, might have too much feels, but, you know, we'll do what we can. Kevin, tell everyone uh, what we're going to be doing today. So we're going to go through uh, like a little 16 question quiz that I found in my Twitter feed. You can basically sum up my Twitter uh, as I like things that Jon Favreau likes, and that actually covers two Jon Favreaus. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. John Favreau, the, you know, the sci-fi movie producer who's going to be one of the directors in Mandalorian. He's a executive producer and director of Mandalorian season two and has been involved in Star Wars and uh, Marvel movies and a whole bunch of things. He's in season one too, though. Oh, right? yeah. He yeah. did work on season one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But so that John Favreau and then there's a political John Favreau that I also follow a lot. And then there's also various random programming stuff in there in my Twitter as well. But I have a lot of Star Wars content in my Twitter feed. And so just randomly, uh, there was a little graphic of this 16 question, which is really not that appropriate for a tweet. But uh, I digress on Twitter a little bit. Um, it was a nice little 16 questions about Star Wars that we can run through. Cool. And just, you know, kind of as a weird question, do you think it's unusual for a husband to direct message his wife a tweet and be like, did you see this? Whereas shouldn't we have had a conversation at some point of, do you have any Star Wars content in your Twitter? And I am very sad to admit, I do not. I need to work on that. But like literally you were in one room. I was in the room next to you and you messaged this to me. Yeah, I think that it is definitely a conversation we should have about the lack of Star Wars content in your Twitter feed. So yeah, we're going to talk about that after we're done with this. I, I mean, we can talk about it now, but well, well, no, yeah. I, I mean, you I guess long follow, story short. You should follow uh, more we'll Star Wars stuff in your Twitter feed. <laughs> I guess that's the conversation. It's not really much of a conversation. But. No, no, you're right. You're completely right on this. I need and, to do a lot better. And, and I can give you some pointers. I would start with John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and then work your way out from there. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For what it's worth, I do have a good amount of Star Wars content in my Facebook feed. Well, that's good. I, uh, I'm not as much of a Facebook guy as a Twitter guy. Yeah, but a lot of that is like spoiler related, so I have to kind of scroll through it until I'm ready for it. Yeah, the Twitter people tend to be pretty good about not spoiling. There are a lot of, um, there have been a lot of Mandalorian 2 rumors that have been flying around. They're very exciting. Um, but yeah, I, and then as far as, you know, direct messaging you content from Twitter, I'm going to be honest with you. The reason that I would do that and I would do it again in a heartbeat is that Two things. One, I don't remember stuff from room to room, so I could literally walk from my office to the whatever room you're in and with the intent to tell you about a Star Wars quiz and completely forget when I get into the next room. But also, even if I did remember, there's a not great chance that I'd be able to find it in my Twitter feed again because 
without turning this into a whole Twitter show, um, they they mix and match what those those feeds are. And if you see something once, there's no guarantee you're ever going to see it again. Yeah, and the algorithm is very difficult to follow. Right. And or sometimes I see something once and then I see it eight times. And I'm, and I'm like, Twitter, you've showed this to me several, several times. Like, I understand that rumor, rumor, rumor is happening. I don't want to spoil any rumors for people who don't want spoilers. But right. yeah. But so, you know, if, if you see something eight times, it's entirely possible I will see it zero times. So that's why you message it. To that's me. right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, l- let's get back to Star Wars. Now okay. that we talked a little bit of our, I don't know if it's functional slash dysfunctional relation. I don't know. I think it's a highly communicative relationship. We talk, we text, we tweet, we Facebook, we communicate on many, many levels. All right. So, so a win for us. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. All right. So uh, we, we got 16 questions about Star Wars and uh, I, I think there's going to be some highly controversial discussion here. We may find ourselves in agreement. We may find ourselves um, potentially finding uh, disillusion in our relationship. We'll see where we go. All right. That sounds fun. I did, for what it's worth, I did try to pick some non-obvious answers to a few of these just uh, just to spice things up. Oh, I did the same. Oh, good. Uh-oh. This should be fun. I'm afraid we picked like the same non-obvious answers. Yeah, that would be very like us, wouldn't it? It totally would be like us. I also have some three or four part answers. So buckle up. This is going to be a journey. Oh, all right. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into it here. Um, Your favorite trilogy. I have to stay with the original trilogy. Like the OT, you know, across the board, I think is my favorite. Um, In part because... I don't like there's nothing about it that I really dislike. I think that there are bits and pieces of the OT and even some parts of the um the postquel trilogy that I really 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 like and in in some ways there are some moments that are better than anything in the OT, but the OT as a as sort of a whole is still my favorite. Gotcha. So I also agree with you overall the original trilogy it's got everything we want it's got the star wars it's got the relationships it's got the fight scenes it's got the um different characters that we meet it's got critters it's got battles it's got everything um the special effects you know just they hold up they're really great but um i if it wasn't for jar jar and the horribly poorly cast role of anakin skywalker i would be inclined to really be thinking about the original uh the prequel trilogy in comparison to the original trilogy because i feel like the plot and the political intrigue is unparalleled i I don't think the plot's that complicated in the original trilogy it's it's funny that you say that because i literally wrote down on my piece of paper here ot but the prequels are underrated completely agree like those those storylines, the plots behind them, if it had been, you know, fleshed out and or acted out by more talented actors, it could be awfully close. Yeah, I maintain that the writing is worse than the acting. Um, I, I, I know this is something you and I disagree about, but like, I'm not sure that Hayden Christensen with a with a better script would have done a better job as Anakin. How many movies have we seen Hayden Christensen in? Besides two. Two Star Wars films. Two Star Wars films. Do you think that if he was a very talented actor, we might have seen him in some other films? No, that's fair. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But my counterpoint is that how many films have we seen Natalie Portman in? Many. Right. And we know that she's a talented actress. Yes. And her performance to me is on par with his in those two movies. 
Yeah, it might have been bad directing and bad writing. It could be. I don't know. All right. Let's get into number two here. Your favorite couple. So in canon, my favorite couple is C-3PO and R2-D2. I wrote them down too. Oh. So do you think they're like together or do you think they're just like the best buddies ever? I don't know. I don't think it really matters, honestly. Um, But here's and and check me. But here's why I say. I mean, they are the weirdly the most, even though they've got um, some interesting banter and C-3PO is a neurotic uh, kind of an a-hole R2-D2, they have like the most stable relationship of everybody in all of Star Wars. I mean, they're they're together for what, like 80 years or something, right? That we know of. Right? Yeah. And, you know, they keep, they, they, they sometimes go off on their own adventures, but they always find their way back to each other, right? Even when R2-D2 was deactivated, C-3PO mourned for him. There, there are some things where the red arm is actually mourning over R2-D2. Um, that's why he had the red arm. And then, you know, R2-D2 wakes up and they're best buds again. And then R2-D2 stores C-3PO's memories and gives them back to him so that they can be friends again. I don't know. I think it's the most functional relationship in the entire series. Uh, you said everything I was going to say and more. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, you know, obviously from a romantic standpoint, I really like, you know, the Han and Leia relationship. It, it's just, you know, it's fun. You know, like it's challenging. It, it's, you know, not necessarily what we expected in, you know, A New Hope that they were going to be the ones to get together. But thank God it was them and, you know, not a brother sister thing. But, um, you know, I, I just really like that. You know, they show that relationships aren't easy. And, you know, our relationship, I I think, is unusual in that it does seem easy, but I think it's easy because we work so hard at it. So, you know, to me, like, it it just kind of points out that, you know, the hard work makes it worth it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was going to jokingly say that uh, the, the best romantic relationship is Luke and Leia, but that's weird. Um, yeah no my um my honorable mention in this one is a non-canon relationship is um uh corn horn and Mirix Tarek, which are people that probably very few of you know um corn horn is my uh digital online star wars name um corin just a very briefly corin is a carillion he um he grew up as basically a carillion cop um and his uh, father was also a cop and his father was killed in uh, in a deal that was ordered by a guy named Booster Tarek, who happens to be Merrick's father. Corin ends up leaving. He gets framed for a thing by an Imperial because he's a good guy. He ends up leaving, joins the rebellion, becomes a member of Rogue Squadron, and then through his travels ends up meeting Merrick's without knowing that it's the daughter of his father's nemesis. They fall in love, get married, and then, of course, hijinks ensue when he meets his father-in-law. All right. And, a little um, Romeo Juliet situation. Little, a little of that, but like she's a badass smuggler. He a- ends up being a Jedi um, slash fighter pilot slash investigator all around good guy uh he's one of my favorite characters but him and his wife have a really interesting dynamic because of like their 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 backgrounds it's it's very similar to the han and leia relationship honestly that there's a lot of challenge in it there's a lot of like overcoming just sort of like prejudices about each other to to build the relationship um, but then they are a very very strong couple as they go forward and he literally like almost you could almost say literally moves heaven and earth at times to uh, save her and be with her. So it's Aww. a very cool relationship. I like it. I like it. Um, and then I don't know if they're actually a couple, but 
in, in you know the final scene in Rogue One where Jin and Cassian die, and they die holding each other's hands. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I want our time to come many, 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 many years from now, but like I, I don't want to go without you, and I don't want you to go without me. So like I kind of like attribute the way that they pass as kind of a. a a signal to a relationship. Yeah, I I feel that. Um and I think their relationship is really interesting. Um and yeah, I mean they're they only know each other for a short time and a stressful time, so what the nature of that relationship is, but I do Well, they didn't even have any time for it to develop to anything, really. Right, but I do like the way that in that short time that they form something and that they they do go out together and, and there's there's some beauty in that. Right. All right, so uh, we're only on question three. Wow, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's motor. <laughs> well, well, it doesn't matter. Doesn't if matter. you're listening, you guys can fast forward if you get bored or, or stop. If you like the banter, you know, let us know and we'll keep it up. But uh, your favorite character from the original trilogy, Kevin? So this is well-trodden ground. It's it's Han Solo, and, and there's really no nothing else I can say about that that I haven't already said. Mine too. I, I got Yoda. He's funny. He's smart. He's small. He's just, you know, he's a great time and he's so powerful. So, you know, like, you know, the, the judge me by my size, you know, that that to me really resonates because I, I think a lot of times, you know, I've been misjudged by people I've interacted with. And, and for all of you guys who haven't met me personally, um, I'm medium size, you know. But, you know, I'm still a woman and still shorter than Kevin. So, you know, oftentimes I I get judged for being small. And, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, he really brings a lot of importance and a really small package. And and I respect that. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm tall for a stormtrooper, but short for a Wookiee. Yes. (laughs) I will agree with you there. (laughs) Uh, Episode title? (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Yeah, there you go. All right, your favorite character from the prequels. So this may not come as a huge surprise to you um, because of other things. And this is really, it's it's unfair because this guy is only in the prequels for a very short time, but he still becomes my favorite character who is in the prequels, and that is Maul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maul, and, and Maul is just one of my favorite. It just, his story is, is so awesome. We're still, there is yet to come at least one episode dedicated to the story of Maul. Um, all but, right, you're in charge of that for next weekend. Okay, all right. You, you next weekend, I'll put together an outline. We're going to do the story of Maul. All right, all right. sounds good. Because his story is now fully told. And so if you're going to listen next week, watch uh, season seven of Clone Wars because we're getting into it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um. So mine is Obi-Wan. I, I just think that he was so well cast. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, we just don't get enough of his backstory in, you know, A New Hope. And, and then when you see the way that Ewan McGregor plays a character and compare it against Sir Alec Guinness, like you really put the work in. But then also I, I like the humor. I like the friendships that he has i like his thoughtfulness i i just like how he kind of walks around pretty humbly with his brown robes you know he's not overly pretentious like anakin always wearing black like he he just he really gets it so i i gotta go with obi-wan all right i you know i thought about putting obi-wan my my hesitation on on obi-wan is that all those things are true and i really i love him as a character and i think he's a great dude 
the only thing is, you know, his apprentice kind of ruined everything. Okay, so he wasn't a great Jedi master. Yeah. But I think he's my favorite character. Bad teacher, fairly good friend, uh, probably not not the best mentor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But the dark side of the Force clouded everything. Fair enough. And he was funny, and uh, I dig funny dudes. And, and the things that he says when he fights Anakin, he's like, you were my brother. Like, I, I mean, he just... He feels all the feels, and he doesn't hold any of that emotion back, which is shocking from a Jedi. So yeah, that's true. And and to be fair, I don't know how much of Anakin's fall was his fault, as much as it was the fault of many many other people. Yeah, no, I mean it was all put into motion. Palpatine, right there, puppet master. Yeah, so. and the Jedi Council did not do themselves any favors. But we're wandering off. We we certainly let's are. go into number five. All right, your favorite character from the sequels. So I, I, Ray is really my favorite character from the sequels. Yeah, um, I agreed. Right, and and I mean, you and I talked about it in some of the other podcasts and stuff. But like, Poe and Finn and Rose and Holdo and like even even Leia to some extent in her persona in the in the sequels. Wait, Holdo's not in the sequels. Holdo. Oh, Admiral. Holdo. Admiral Holdo. Oh, Admiral yeah, Holdo. Yeah, 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 the Holdo yeah. maneuver. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um. All of the like they're they're all kind of like I don't know they all annoy me um but Ray I really like Ray because she's she is interestingly focused she is powerful she's even more powerful than she knows she's humble but she also is a great leader and um you know her innate connection to the force is is pretty amazing and her ability to sort of overcome a lot of obstacles to uh to become who she is 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 pretty great Agreed. And if they had actually done something, I would say that potentially Maz Kanata could have gotten an honorable mention here. But we learn nothing about her. It's disappointing. So she seems like she's got a really cool backstory and we never get it. So she's an intriguing character from the sequel. But Sure. Here's hoping that she rebuilds her castle and uh, Din Djarin makes a stop there one day. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah. Not out of bounds. I'm there for that. Sure. All right. favorite trio so this is an interesting one i had to think a little bit about this because there aren't a i couldn't think of a ton of trios and i feel like this was a setup or maybe you're by is a podcast so you can everybody can't see your face but um i put han luke and chewy okay so most mostly because on the death star in a new hope they are a really interesting like i don't know i just like the I like the interaction. I like the banter. I like that the the whole thing in the control room um, where they're talking about like you know marching into the detention center isn't what I had in mind, and then like Luke trying to manipulate Han and Chewie's just sitting there like, come on, you guys are goofs, and and then they and then they all go and they run their plan together, and then they totally screw it up, and then Leia has to save them, and I don't know why, but I just I love that whole that whole vibe that the three of them have together. Okay, I'll support that. Yeah. Um. So I went with the Clone Wars trio here. I went Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. And especially like kind of early on where Anakin keeps calling her Snips. Like, because then you've got kind of like the child, father, and like grandfather kind of relationship, if you will. Um, Like, you, you just have so much dynamic there that it, it just, you know, it really resonates family. So. Yeah, that's pretty great. Okay. All right. Favorite friendship. So uh, there's one right answer here. If you get this wrong, um, we're going to have a talk offline. Oh, boy. 
better get it right. Okay. I said Rex and Ahsoka. <laughs> okay, that's... That's a good answer. That is a good answer. It's not the right answer, but it's Rex a good answer. Rex and Ahsoka answer. are... I mean, she she frees his mind for crying out loud, and they stay friends through multiple Spoiler wars. Spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> so. I already said that a minute ago. Okay. Uh, Han and Chewie. Okay, that's also a very good answer. No, that's the right answer. That is the Your right answer. Your answer is a very good answer. Okay, that is the right answer. My answer is a very good answer. I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> So Han and Chewie. Yeah. Do you think, like, I always wonder about their friend, like, and we've talked about this before, but like the nature of their friendship, it's, it's a very, very, very strong friendship. They're brothers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you know, when you basically have, you know, one freeing the other, and have a series of adventures together that put you in life and death situations. Like, you realize that this is someone that you would die for and they would die for you. Like, that's your family. Like, yeah, that's and the fact that they choose to stay together, you know, then that just makes it the strongest possible friendship you could have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that that's also describing Rex and Ahsoka. It is. But. I mean, here's the thing is that Rex was like created to be a part of, you know, the clone army and Ahsoka was basically abducted and put into the Jedi Order. And, and, you know, so their friendship began. Han and Chewie were put together because they were going to die. Yeah. And they chose to change their death to a life together. That's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty great. All right, let's okay. let's move on. Okay. All right, your favorite droid. I said IG eleven. Oh, I do love IG eleven. Sleeper pick IG eleven. I wrote him down too. Did you really? Yeah. All yeah. right. I like BB eight from like the fun dog version. Yeah. But I like IG eleven as a nurse. Just you know. Yeah. The IG eleven. Yeah, he has a he just has a great arc, and I do love his Terminator two ending. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, I would say the, my, my honorable mention goes to, and I can't, I can't remember exactly their designation, but the, the strategy droids, uh, that the separatist army have, the ones that kind of have like a beak, not, not the, not the B1 Roger Roger guys, but the guys who like the, the strategy dudes are kind of boxy and they got like a little like beak face. Yeah. Um, and in particular, the one in, uh, it's in a rebels episode that, uh, did not get deactivated at the end of the clone wars. And he kind of makes, uh, Rex and Ezra and Kanan fight out like a last battle of the clone wars. Oh, that was a great episode. And, and just like the personality of those strategy droids, um, was, was always wild. And then, and then the fact that they were so, so good at strategy and then that they were also so gullible and that the Jedi would trick them all the time by like fake surrendering. And then they would change their strategy around a fake surrender. And I don't, and like, I mean, that's one of those strategy droids is involved in season six of, of, of clone wars around the, the algorithm and everything. And like, they're just really interesting. Like as a class of droid, they're the most kind of interesting. Um, but my favorite droid is, is IG 11. Honorable mention of course goes to R2D2 just for being there for everything. Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. But he's the, he's the easy answer in this. Oh yeah. 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 Um, who would be your Jedi master? Who would be your Jedi? I keep answering first. You go first this time. Okay. So like, 
realistically, I know that as much as I'd want it to be Yoda, I just don't know if I would be that strong with the force that Yoda would take me on. I think I would get to be in his like big classroom setting, but I don't think I would get one-on-one tutoring with him, <sighs> which is really sad to admit, but um, I, I think Qui-Gon would take me on. Um, <laughs> you guys can't see Kevin. He just made a, a face and raised his arms. But no, I, I think Qui-Gon would take me on um, because I am so hardworking and I tend to do as I'm told, but I ask questions where it makes sense. And I think that Qui-Gon would respect that. See, I also put Qui-Gon. Did you really? I really did. It's like it's written down. You can check me. Right. And I said Qui-Gon because I, I, because I would, I would have trouble with the Jedi Council and I would have trouble with the rigid rules. And I would need a, a master who could respect that questioning authority and understanding why the rules are and have that, that level of flexibility. I think if I were under a Mace Windu or, um, you know, even like a Shock T or a Chaoti Mundi or any of those guys that, that they would, they would not have, like, I would have been, I would have ended up being rubbed out of the order or something because they would have been too much like not just going to my room and meditating but i've been like why am i meditating yeah and there is no why yoda's whole like you know there is no why i would be like no i i feel like qui-gon is a why guy and uh and i'm a why guy and i would be i'd be down with qui-gon all right yeah interesting um you know although it's not really the question and i don't think that she's really going to be a jedi master and we don't know where her story's going in the future but should ray decide to teach the new generation of jedi i'd be in for that to have her be my master yeah because she seems to tap both the light and the dark side and i think that that is um responsible yeah i also think that you're as as a hard see I, it's interesting that you said that your hard work your work ethic would be appealing to qui-gon i never i didn't get that impression from him that that is i don't think it's a thing that he would not value but i don't think it's a thing that he finds essential um and that i think ray though on the other hand she is a she is a focused workhorse like you and her would get together great yeah we, we'd make things happen yeah 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 um all right your favorite lightsaber color so this is a this is weird from a from a question of like is is like is this just your favorite color or do you trying to ascribe because there are people who try to ascribe different meanings to different lightsaber colors and like what what's the difference between a blue and a green and a yellow and a purple and obviously a red has its own meaning I'm a blue but I'm I think a green. It's, yeah I think you would be a green yeah. I'd be a blue I I just you know pure aesthetic so I like the color blue better than I like the color green in real life I how. How often do I wear green? Ever? Um, I, you you kind of coerce yourself one day a year? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, but no, I do really like the way that the green lightsabers look on the, on the screen. And I like them when I see them in the fights. And I, I think they just look really powerful and really force strong. All right. So, yeah. That's solid. The only thing, my only comment on that, I saw a picture the other day on, on in my Twitter feed, actually. And it was... It's a very iconic shot um, in the Emperor's throne room on the Death Star when he's tempting Luke into taking his lightsaber and Luke finally turns around and he grabs his lightsaber and he lights it and he's trying to cut the Emperor down and Vader, you know, he gets in there and you see the two lightsabers crossed right in front of the throne. And it's a red, it's a red and a green, right? And it's Christmas. It's Chris. It's a weird Christmas Death Star look, and that's sort of why I lean away from the greens. If you're fighting a Sith, you have a weird Christmas vibe. 
But it it just goes on to make it like, you know, Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Oh, okay. It just makes Star Wars always a Christmas does that movie. Make, does that make Return of the Jedi a Christmas movie? It does. All right, solid. All right. I'll allow it. Huh, okay. Light side or dark side? I'm light side. Of course. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Like, I mean... We've talked about this at length and we'll talk about it again. But, you know, I, I do think that there are certain aspects that the light side needs to recognize that you can you can work through your fears so you can dip a toe in the dark side and know that you can come back. Well, and but, and with, you know, I think that the light side as described by the Jedi Council and the light side as described by like the Ashla are not necessarily the same thing. Completely agree. Right? I think that the light side is described by the Jedi Council and a complete lack of emotion. And, and the Jedi Code and the Sith Code are really... Discre- they're, they're more of like religious doctrines in a way in terms of they describe how they see the Force. But I don't know that that necessarily is aligned with what the Force actually is. And so I think that the thing, the pieces of the light side, of the dark side that you think that the light side could could re- could respect or could use i think are actually parts of the light side um i think that the motivation and and how you use it but like there's nothing to say that there are inherent powers that are light side powers or dark side powers i think that it's it's what you're trying to accomplish with the force that's light and dark right if you're shooting electricity out of your fingertips to fry your enemy to a crisp or you're shooting electricity out of your fingertips to you know, power a school so kids can, you know, have computers power on. It's a different story right there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, Most overrated character. Easy answer. You want me to go first? Yeah. Kylo Ren? Yeah. 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 I mean, I won't go into my rant again. You guys have all heard it. But Yeah. yeah. So just to spice things up, I'll give uh, honorable mention to uh, Phasma as in and, and the reason and she's she's weirdly in a way overrated, but in a way not in so far as like. They tried to make her an overrated character and they failed and therefore I think her rating is about appropriate or something, but like she just keeps popping up and she seems like she should be badass, but she's terrible. Yeah, she's just a bad penny. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like she just keeps showing up and you don't know why. She she hasn't exhibited any kind of force. You don't know her backstory. She's But they're trying to make her way more important than she actually is. She doesn't exude any type of actual power. Like, no, I, right. I give you that. Yeah. But, I mean, she's overshadowed by Kylo Ren as oh, far yeah. as being the most most overrated. Um, yeah. yeah, I was trying to think of any any other anyone else that is you know, overrated. I think overranked characters, I would say that Hux has no business being in charge of the military of the First Order. That guy would never have made it. He He's just, he's so sniveling. Anyone that's like half as competent as, you know, like, I don't know, a Porg would have overthrown him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other, the other one that I, the other person I think is overranked is um, Director Krennic. Like I, I mean, maybe he's got some skills that we just don't see in Rogue One. But like the things that he's up to in Rogue One, he has no business being in charge of a super secret giant space battle station. No, but he does seem like a guy who will do anything necessary, and that's kind of why like he's the guy. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Your most underrated character. 
This is one that I have a lot of answers to. Oh, please. I've got, I've got, I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of underrated characters and I probably have some like really deep cut references that I'm, that I don't even have here, but Qui-Gon Jinn is my number one underrated character, right? I think that he, like he gets forgotten so much and we obviously both have some respect for him. My number two underrated character, Maul. I'm going to keep coming back to that well, um, that most people just underappreciate the depth and, 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 you know, who Maul is. Um, in a similar vein, Asajj Ventress, I think, is, is highly underrated in that she goes through a lot of personal growth and she has a very complex personal arc um, in, in her stories. Uh, Wicket T. Ewok, underrated in two, for two reasons. One, it's underappreciated how much, because right, people kind of dump on the Ewoks, right? I don't. No, you don't. Oh, okay. But, but pe- <laughs> like, this isn't under. This isn't our ratings. This is underrated. Is like my interpretation of how people feel. Though the Ewoks are really what brought about the destruction of the second Death Star and the end of the Empire. They totally are. Right. They are a fierce people that are defending their home. Yeah. Like. And, and Wicked in particular, right? I mean, if you think about, you know, where we kind of meet him. Right. Leia has just like, you know, there are these people on his planet that have this technology that are well beyond anything that, you know, he's got. Right. And this woman just crashed a speeder bike and he comes up to her with a spear and is like he he doesn't know what other power she has. And like. Right. And so he confronts her and then befriends her and then does diplomatic work with her at some level to bring her to his village. And then somehow they, they make her a dress and braid her hair for reasons. Well, that part is weird but do you think that maybe leia unintentionally was using the force there it could be yeah Yeah. i mean a combination of her diplomatic training and her latent force powers probably helped there but but wicket brought her to his chief and somehow like made a deal with her without being able to speak a common language that's pretty impressive right so completely agree yeah my last one i got one more all right uh grand admiral thrawn i do like grand Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, and and I do think that in Rebels, he, you know, he, so Grand Admiral Thrawn is in Rebels, which of course we haven't talked a lot about. He is, um, he he's got a couple things going for him. One, he's the only non-human admiral or higher in the Empire because the Admir- the Empire is very human uh, centric. Right, and, and just for all of you guys, since we haven't talked about Rebels yet, and if you haven't watched Rebels, you should, but. Grand Admiral Thrawn is a bad guy. He, he's, you know, not, not the guy we want to win. But he believes in a sense of right and wrong and a sense of honor in his fights. And that is, you know, there's honor among thieves the way that he does it. Yeah, I would actually classify him as an imperial, but not necessarily a bad guy. Right. He's on the wrong side of history here. He, he, <laughs> so. he is. But but to your point, he does it in such an honorable way. And um, yeah. And in, in, he comes from um, the very first trilogy of books that were written after the movies were produced. Deal largely with him and his his strategic thinking and the way he uses art to sort of diagnose um, the strengths and weaknesses of cultures and then uses that to his advantage. Um in Rebels, they do a fairly good job of sort of capturing some of that, but I think they undersell his his abilities, especially because he gets, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, but he gets defeated by the Rebels. Um, there are some things that he does in in his in his Legends version that are really impressive, and I just think that he gets a little bit of a of a short shaft in canon, um, and so that's why I call him underrated. All right, I'll support that. Yeah. 
Who um, do you have? So mine, I also went Rebels. I went uh, Kanan Jarrus or Hera Syndulla. So, I, I mean, essentially without them, um, there is no rebellion, you know. It, it's, I, I mean, she's basically like a low-level terrorist and he's her boyfriend that she convinces him to like continue with her actions. Um, but he trains Ezra, who is huge. And he kind of, you know, he sacrifices himself that allows the rebellion to continue. And, and w- without, you know, the two of them and, you know, it, gosh, I, I mean, I, I just don't know who you pick one or the other. But I, I think that neither one of them really makes it into any of the movies. And they're so crucial for what we need to have happen. Yeah. Actually, Hera. Well, actually, she does. She does, but she, we don't see her. She gets a shout out cameo in Rogue One. Yeah, but that was like an Easter egg deep cut reference. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. let's have her like screen time. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. underrated. Underrated. All right. Favorite ship. So the easy answer is the Millennium Falcon. Also the right answer. Also the right answer. So to to slide over the right answer into more interesting answers. Fair. Um. I say the T-65 X-Wing, and I'm very specific about the T-65 because I don't really like those T-70 nonsense in the uh, sequel trilogy. I like the, the old school T-65s from the original trilogy. Okay. Yeah. And I like the Nubian class uh, shiny ships that look really luxurious. We were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Like if you were going to take a six-day trip across a galaxy far, far away, what ship would you want to be in? I do not want to be in the Millennium Falcon. That is for smuggling. But for putting your feet up and, you know, binge watching some episodes on Netflix and having your handmaids braid your hair, I want to be on that Nubian class starship. That, so. That's fair. Um, I have a couple other a couple other honorable mentions. Sure. Uh, the Tie Defender. Yes. Which is um, you know, it's a Tie Fighter, but it is a badass Tie Fighter that both. And this is this is just another. This was a really cool tie-in that they did. This is another Rebels reference, and we're talking about Rebels a lot tonight. Um, this is another Rebels reference. This was sort of Grand Admiral Thrawn's pet po- project was to build a new variant of Tie Fighter that has shields and hyperdrives and extra bl- you know lasers and proton torpedoes and could really compete with the T-65 X-Wing and the A-Wing and defeat them. And it's actually a back reference to a video game that was released in, I want to say, 1997 um, called TIE Fighter. It was uh, a new concept fighter in that game. And I just remember dozens to maybe hundreds to maybe more hours of me playing that game. And that I love the fact that they brought it into canon uh, by sticking it in Rebels there. Um, and then my last one uh, is a is a non-canon uh, Legends reference to a ship called the Errant Venture, tying all the way back to my earlier answer about uh, Corrin and Mirex. Um, in a weird whole long story, Mirex's father, Booster, uh, is present and in, instrumental in the New Republic capturing an Imperial-class Star Destroyer. And because he happens to be on the Star Destroyer at the time that it's captured, he claims it as salvage and declares it his personal Star Destroyer. And the New Republic says, we, you can, we can't just let a smuggler run around with an Imperial-class Star Destroyer. And he says, well, it's mine. I, I captured it. The, the captain surrendered to me, not to you. And so they make a deal with him that he's allowed to keep it, but he has to disable most of the weapons on it. But he has enough for self-defense. And so he turns it into basically like a floating smugglers slash casino slash vacation uh, resort. 
go there. Yeah. And and the funniest thing about it is he um he keeps enough of the turrets on it so that people think it has more weapons than it does, but he also wanted to paint it red and he starts getting it painted red and then it turns out there's not enough red paint to cover a star destroyer. And so it's like kind of like half white, half red because there he could not afford enough red paint because it's huge. He should have talked to Sabine Wren about this. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so it's just my favorite kind of fun ship because it's uh, it's a red star destroyer. It's a mostly red star destroyer that just wanders around and is basically a casino vacation spot with some smugglers on it. That's fun. Yeah. All right, let let's uh, go th- completely the opposite direction here. The saddest death. Saddest death. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. So, by all accounts, it should be Padme Amidala's death. But it is not, because it is so poorly acted, and it's just like, at that point, you're kind of grateful that her character's come to an end. But... Uh, Har- harsh, harsh but fair? Yes. Yeah. Um, but when Han Solo gets killed by his son, I screamed out during the film, and uh, a few tears escaped my eyes. Uh, when Kanan Jarrus died in Rebels, yeah, I got kind of misty then. Yep, every um, every time too, because I've watched that. I've watched Kanan's episode. I don't know four or five times. It gets me every time. Yeah, no, it it's too many feels. Yeah. Um, Chirrut Imwe and Baze Malbus, uh, Ooh. their death scene in Rogue One. Oh gosh, that that might be too powerful for me. It, it gets harder and harder every time, and then subsequently, um. Jin and Cassian went when they die um holding hands it they're out at the beach you know it looks like the sun but it's not it's just destruction coming to them yeah that, that just too much yeah 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 uh those are all the same ones the only one i have to add um is fives Oh. So in um in something that I don't think we've talked a lot about on this uh because this is episode this was season six of Clone Wars, um that Fives discovers that he basically discovers the chip in the head of the clones that has Order sixty six in it, and he goes to a lot of work to sort of uncover the whole plot. Realizes it goes all the way up to the um up to Palpatine and he's trying to get people to believe him goes a little crazy ends up getting killed and his death scene is just it's it's brutal in that like he dies in the arms of Rex who's his you know his good buddy they've been in the war together for a long time um Rex is starting to think something might be up um and then on top of it, you know, just sort of the way they depict it, you know, with sort of people standing around. But it's also one of those it's one of those moments where all of the all of the troubles could have been avoided. Anakin's there at the time. So Anakin hears this and he doesn't believe it. And he doesn't believe that the chancellor can be a bad guy. But like if just people had stopped. And so it's just this moment of like Palpatine has this such a perfect plan. And then there's this little crack in the plan and this crack could widen and unravel the whole plan. And then it doesn't because this guy makes one stupid decision in, in a moment of passion at the end and then he gets gunned down and and then all of that is lost and then you know you know as a viewer you know the ramifications of that death and it's it's brutal yeah oh tough one pour one out for fives right oh. yeah oh yeah that that that's a tough episode yeah yeah it really is 
really is. Who would have thought a cartoon would really, you know, bring out all the feels like that? For sure. Man, and especially a cartoon about clones. Like, they, I say what you will about, I, and I know that, like, some of the, the Clone Brothers episodes are not your favorites, but, like, they make those clones people um, in that they show. Do. And in, in a way that you would not expect, um, and it's something else. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't watched season seven of The Clone Wars yet, please do so that we can talk about it uh, probably in a couple of weeks because, oh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to break down there. Yeah. Um, but lastly, Kevin, who's your favorite cast member? Mark Hamill, of, of, of course, right? Of course, me uh, too. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and not, only, you know, not only for him playing Luke Skywalker, who's, you know, interestingly, somehow never came up in, in kind of this whole answer. Um, you can see my answer right there. I yeah. just handed it to you, and you just you just and you wrote on Mark Hamill wins Twitter. Yeah, he I, and the, and I think that's the thing about Mark Hamill that I really love is that he not only was he you know one of my favorite people in Star Wars, but he loves the fact that he was in Star Wars, right? And moreover than and then kind of any other uh, cast member who was in any of the any of the you know Star Wars stuff, he loves it. He loves the fans. He, I mean, the things that he does for the fans, he, you know, he has even gone so far as, sorry to throw some feels at you, but he's gone so far as to like go to hospitals as Luke Skywalker and spend time with terminal patients on more than one occasion, um, doing like hours as Luke Skywalker um, and just all the stuff that he does and all the, the love that he has for being a, a part of Star Wars and the respect that he has for the, the franchise and the fans is pretty amazing. And I, I think that's exactly it, is that he recognizes that maybe he didn't have the most robust movie career. You know, I, I think in comparison, we could look at Harrison Ford's career, far, far more films, you know, on screen, far more popularity. But, you know, Harrison Ford shows up for the paycheck and I respect that. Um, we, we all have jobs we have to go to and we do that, too. Um. But I think by really expanding, you know, how much it means to people, the way that, you know, he just communicates with his fan base, the way that he supports people who have supported him. And then the fact that he's like totally on board for doing voiceover work and cartoon voices and, and that kind of thing. Like his Joker is by far the best Joker. He is like, the Joker. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is the Joker. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, he, he's just like a really good actor when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I would, for one, put Corvette Summer up there against Indiana Jones. Any <laughs> no, I can't finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've managed 16 things here about Star Wars, Kevin. Is there anything that uh, you think we've forgotten for this evening? Uh, I don't think so. I mean... I could certainly wander off into a whole bunch of other tangents, but I think uh, I think these 16 are good for today. And um, I will do that outline for next week and we'll talk about Maul. All right. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to get into it because I feel like all of the things that you love about Maul do not come out in The Phantom Menace except for his sweet, sweet sword fighting skills. Well, yeah, I mean, that is hands down the, the still the best uh, lightsaber fight with one exception is also him versus Ahsoka in Clone Wars 7. So good. So good. So and good. And, uh, uh, and just, you know, for anybody who has or has not watched Clone Wars Season 7, this isn't a spoiler that hurts anything, but the, the lightsaber fight that he has with Ahsoka which is in all the trailers and everything so it's not a spoiler was so intricate and and impactful that they actually brought Ray 
uh ray parker park yeah, ray park ray parker ray, yeah um back and they did it in a motion capture studio and then translated that into the animation because the animator said they couldn't get that see like darth maul has other fight sequences he has a really great animated fight sequence with darcidius but he they said that one was important enough that they actually did it on a mocap because they couldn't get it right in animation and so he he goes down as having two of probably the best lightsaber battles in the franchise. Um, and if that's his only contributions to episode one, then I will allow it and count him as a, an important member of the prequels. I support that. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, we, we know where we're going next week. Normally I ask you where we're going. So now we know we're, we're going to mall. Um, and, and he's got such a cool story that spans across so many different media. Um, but you know, as far as while we wait for new content to be made, you know, that this is a good time. Uh, we'll have to maybe rewatch season seven of Clone Wars. We'll have to, uh, I, I think I personally need to rewatch, uh, certain episodes of Rebels. And, uh, you know, I, I might want to watch, uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, at Christmas time. So, yeah, I think we've established that's a Christmas movie now. We'll watch that and die hard and it'll be great. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I love you. I know.